welcome to Fired Up, an original podcast from Ignite Fan Insights, powered by NASCAR, the National Sports Forum, and the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. This is a podcast for sports business pros like you. We go behind the gates and beyond the numbers that keep sports fans coming back for more. Our host, Chris Wise, is the brains behind Ignite Fan Insights. With a commitment to research and innovation for over 30 years, he knows the right questions to ask, and most importantly, what to do with the answers. Get ready for in-depth, engaging conversations with sports industry leaders that will inspire you to take action and connect with your fans. I'm producer Brad Carpenter, and this is Fired Up. Welcome to Fired Up. Today we talked to Matt Hill, Vice President of Premium Seating and Group Sales for Vinix Sports Group. Matt, welcome, and, and hope you've had a good holiday season and, and good, to, good to talk with you. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Looking forward to, looking forward to our conversation. Uh, happy New Year and happy holidays to you as well. Thanks. So just start out. Tell us about yourself, your background, your position, responsibilities, how you found your way to Florida, and what your day-to-day looks like, especially now compared to well, even a year ago at this point. Yeah, it's different. That's for sure. Um, I'll tell you, these uh, these this last year has been been challenging to everybody in this industry, um, just on how we, we how we navigate you know things now in the in the new world, so to speak. Um, my story is a little different. I'm a little non traditional, I think, in in the role that I'm currently in. I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a kid that grew up in the east coast of Canada. Um, you know, and as a kid, I, I dreamed of the NHL, um, from the player perspective, like every Canadian kid. And so I grew up in a, I grew up in a rink and played the game for, uh, for a number of years, afforded me some opportunities for college and, you know, a little bit of, uh, minor pro hockey, um, after that, um, but quickly realized it was not going to pay the bills long enough and needed to, uh, grow up and get on with, uh, with real life. So I, uh, I moved back home to, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia and, where I, uh, I got involved, uh, with my, my father's, uh, software company, uh, helped him, uh, you know, for a few years on that side. Um, but more importantly, I was involved still in the game. I, uh, I was coaching at my, uh, university where I played. So after I finished playing, I went back and I was helping coach out there and, and was actually running a little player, uh, development program for, for some local, some local kids back home. So I was still involved in the game and, but I wanted more. I wanted the NHL. That'd been something I'd always kind of, you know, dreamed about. And, Actually, at the time, this is, you know, 15 years ago, I had a good friend, uh, Brad Richards, who was playing here for the Lightning at the time. Um, and we were uh, up late one night, probably having one too many full beers, but <laughs> that's what you do sometimes. And the idea was kind of born then. It's like, man, I'd love to come down and work there. Like, what's what's that entail? How would that happen? And, um, you know, fast forward six months, you know, sold the house and left my, my three jobs at home and took a job in the inside sales department, making $13,000 a year selling tickets for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So who would have thought that'd be the the path that would be taken, but, you know, I've been down here for, you know, 14 years now, a little, I left for a year in the middle, but worked with some amazing people, um, you know, a couple of different owners that kind of the opportunity right now to work for a guy by the name of Jeff Finnick, who, in my opinion, and I think anyone who's ever met him is, you know, one of the, if not the best owner in professional sports and what he's provided us, the resources for success, both on and off the ice has been, has been unbelievable. So it's been a, it's been a fun little run these, these last 10 years that, you know, he's been involved. And obviously this, this past season, it was a, it was an odd one, but it was still a Stanley cup championship. And to be a part of that, you know, at a distance, you know, here and, uh, you know, celebrate with our teammates that we've worked with for, for so long. Um, it was, uh, it was exciting to, 
to celebrate celebrate that. So um, that's been uh, that's been the, that's been the run to how I got to this role. So a little non traditional, you know. I, I didn't study for sports. I you know figured it out when I got down here. So what's your day to day look like? Because you just you, you you wear many hats, I would believe, correct? Yeah, it's um, and we all do here. And and it, I'll tell you, talk about day to day. You know, in March, um, ironically, actually, I was sitting on an airplane about to fly back from Toronto, and uh, I'll never forget. We sat down and scrolling through Twitter, and you know, that was the first time that the news broke that the NCAA was going to play their March Madness tournament without fans. And we were actually a venue that was about to host March Madness. Uh, you know, the next weekend. So we're kind of seeing this. This is well, this is not good news. And by the time we landed, um, by the time we landed, they had pulled the pin on NCAA. And then three hours later, the NBA pulled the pin. And the next morning, we had Philly in town ready to play a game, and that got pulled. So you you could just see it on gravel in front of us. So when it comes to day to day, it changed on that day. You know, you know the days of coming into the office and being here with your teammates day in and day out were were gone. Um, we were all working remotely. First and foremost, most important thing for us was the health and safety of everybody, you know, teammates, players, you name it. It was something that we really wanted to, you know, be very cognizant about. So, but what it taught us was that, you know, in this industry, everyone's so used to the hours and so much time spent in the offices, you know, you, you work the typical, you know, eight to six business day, like everybody else does. But you have to remember, we, we execute our product when the rest of the world's not working, you know, right. evenings, weekends and holidays. And what it taught us is that we could be an efficient organization and still work remotely. So it's going to change some things about how we move forward about our day-to-day. We've got some people who still work a little bit more remote. Um, I've been coming back into the office for about the last three months, um, you know, just to, you know, try to get some sort of resemblance of, of, of normalcy. Um, and we're very fortunate being here in Florida is that we just landed the uh, Toronto Raptors. So they were a team, obviously, in the NBA that... Uh, you know, with the travel restrictions across the Canadian border, needed a home. So uh, we were able to uh, to fit them in here. So we've had uh, like one preseason game and three home games with fans in our building. Um, and then starting on January 13th, uh, the Lightning will start playing their home season uh, with fans in the building. So we're going to do 25% capacity. So actually starting on the 13th for seven consecutive nights, we're going to go hockey, basketball, hockey, basketball. So... You know, when it comes to day to day, it's changed, and and just the communication now, the the new protocols, the plexiglass, the new ticketing systems, like it's really made us rethink how our our industry works. Um, and it's 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 coming together. The first couple of games were a few bumps in the road, but we've we've worked through a lot of those kinks, and I think we feel like we're in a in a really good spot to to host fans uh, in a very safe and healthy environment because that's obviously the the number one priority of of everybody here. So, but, uh, I'll tell you one of the coolest parts now is, you know, seeing fans come back into our building, obviously with a mask on and six feet apart from each other. Um, but even more importantly, we've got our, you know, our frontline staff that are so valuable to our product and creating the experiences they do day in and day out for our, for our clients, they're back to work. You know, they hadn't been to work since March. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of brought everybody kind of, you know, closer together. So, I don't know if I answered your day-to-day question. I've kind of probably danced around a little bit because it's 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 new every day. Um, but the coolest part now, we're engaged with our clients. Clients are coming back, um, and uh, we're back uh, we're back in business. Excellent. That's that's exciting. I'm we've been we've been tracking fan sentiment over the course of the past year, and what would bring them back into to an arena or stadium. And uh, sounds like you're hitting all those marks right on with uh, just that feeling and sense of. Of safety and cleanliness and appropriateness, it's uh, yeah, 
when we first did it back in, in um, uh, I guess, early April, it wasn't quite the concern, but that concern grew for um, for their own safety over the course of the, the year. So good for you. Good for you. I want to ask you, um, you, you talked about, you know, obviously hockey is part of your DNA. Beyond what you already told us, what impact of your, coming from a player perspective, had it in your uh, approach to your profession today? Good question. I'll tell you, it's, um, it's funny. It's, it's the same, right? So when I came down here for my first run at the inside sales role 14 years ago, my plan was I wanted to get down here and I wanted to flip right over to the hockey ops and I wanted to figure out to navigate that side of the business. Um, you know, being a you know former hockey player, um, I quickly found out that as soon as I got down here and I'm sitting in a room with you know 15 teammates, you know, making you know 65, 70 phone calls a day trying to uh, sell hockey in the state of Florida and the city of Tampa, you know that's where the competitiveness kicks back in. I think that's the part that I think carries over so well from, from former athletes is just that willingness to work hard, the willingness that, you know, everyone loves to win, but the hating of losing, you know, and, and, and I was so competitive when it came to selling tickets and, you know, trying to be the top sales guy because obviously that's how you got paid. Like, so I think that competitiveness is something that kind of comes over. And the other part is just, you know, the ability to be a, a teammate, you know, um, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, when you sit in a dressing room with, you know, 19 teammates and you look around, like you all play an individual role, but you all have to do it together. And um, I think that's something that kind of, you know, comes over pretty, pretty clearly and easily, I think, from from the from the game of hockey to sort of the, the business of the sport. Interesting. I, I never played hockey because I could, you know, hardly stand up on skates. And I, and I grew up in the north, but I, I it. it it never did me any good. But <laughs> talk a little bit about um, attendance. You know, the, the 19 and 20 game attendance for the Lightning was nearly 100% of capacity. Um, in Florida, you kind of touched on that a second ago. Tell us a bit about the market and along with the reaction and support shown by the, the people of the greater Tampa Bay area. What do you believe is an important component of fan maintenance and growth and engagement outside the confines of the stadium? I will tell you this, you know, we're non-traditional. We know we're non-traditional. This isn't a, this isn't a place where, you know, a generation of people have grown up with the game of hockey. Um, but Steven Stamco said it best at the uh, Stanley Cup celebration. Um, he used some colorful language, but he said, this is one of the best hockey towns out there. And it has become a hockey town. And that's one of the cool things. If you drive around town right now, you'll see as much lightning gear as you'll see rays and bucks, probably even more. Like it really has caught on. Um, and I can tell you, it starts and stops with Jeff Finnick, our owner. You know, he came into this market 10 years ago and he committed to the community, he committed to the hockey team, he committed to the, the business of the game. And in my opinion, what he did is he has mastered the ability of a sports team in a community to have an organic partnership. You know, he has given so much to this community over the years that it's almost like people's civic duty to give back. And, and we've been the, the, you know, the benefactor of that. You know, just, I could give you examples and examples and examples of things that he's done in this community to, to engage the community. But it, one of the coolest programs that we have, it's, you know, started, you know, uh, 10 years ago when he first got here, it's called the uh, Jable Community Hero Program. And every single uh, home game, uh, we recognize a local community hero at the game uh, for doing something great in the community. So 41 times a year, times 10 years. So that you can do the math on that. And when that story is told, 
we give that community hero a $50,000 check from the Lightning Foundation that that person then can give to their charities of choice. So if you think of that, and over 10 years, 41 games a year, and say on average, every hero gives it to two different, you know, groups in this community that are in need, the, the amount of people that have been touched by that has been unbelievable. And it's just one little example of so many great things that he does in this community. And where that then makes our job easy is when we call somebody like a major you know, CEO and company, they know Mr. Vinick, they know Mr. Vinick's done something good for a, a, an organization or, you know, some sort of community initiative that they're attached to. And they're ready to sign up as either a season ticket member, as a sponsor, as a suite holder, you know, any way to be involved. And, and, and so what that's done is afforded us, we've been, you know, we have been at capacity for the last few years, you know, even in the premium world, which right now I know we're very, we're very, you know, fortunate because it's not common across the industry right now. Um, but we've, we've been, we've had people on waiting lists wanting to buy suites from us, which, um, and I don't, we don't claim to be the best sales and service people in the world. We're just, we're just a part of a really cool team that's ran by an unbelievable owner that is benefiting, you know, very, uh, very well from sort of the, the, the way he leads the whole organization. So he's active in the community. He's visible and, and he's there, right? He, he really is. He moved his whole family here. Um, as soon as he purchased the team, um, he's involved in everything. Um, you know, and it's, 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 it's fun to watch him, do his business. He's in the middle right now too of him and um, Cascade Investments, which is a company that's operated by um, uh, Bill Gates. They are in the process of doing a you know three billion dollar you know downtown redevelopment. So they're they're literally changing the skyline of Tampa right now as we speak. You know, so it's not just hockey. It's it's you know new you know we built USF. You know, school of medicine is on on their property, and we're building all these new hotels and offices. It's just, it's really something special um, that he's kind of shepherded and, and kind of led the charge with. How does he encourage each of you um, on staff to to be engaged with the community and, and with, uh, with the fans? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, one thing that I will tell you he did is he hired people to run the business and he hired people to run the hockey piece and then stepped back. That was one of the things that I think that gets lost in the fact is so when he first bought the team, uh, a guy by the name of Todd Lightwicky, who's the, currently the now the CEO of the uh, new Seattle uh, franchise that's going to launch next year. So he came in, uh, hired him. Todd hired uh, Steve Griggs, who was then at the time our CEO and is now the CEO. So it's kind of been a real smooth transition. And he hired Steve Eiserman to run the hockey. And he said, guys, you're the experts. You take it. You run with it. I'll stay out of the way. Um, obviously, he knows the business probably better than anybody because um, he's just such a well-read. Um, of, you know, we sit down with a meeting with him. It's it's amazing the knowledge he has of the intimate details of our business unit. You know, because he gets reports. So he put those two guys in their in their spots and said, "You guys run the team and uh, got out of the way," which I think was one of the things that he'll even say that um, you feel an obligation to him. You know, he does so many, he kept all of our staff on board. We've gone through some, some, some crazy times and he's been so committed to our people uh, and our staff to make sure that they were on board, that you feel obligated that you bring your best game every single day. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, community, it's such a, a passion um, for him is just over the holidays, he gives every single employee, you know, 200 of us, $75 cash and asks us to do something good in the community with it. 
You know, you can be in line at the grocery store and buy groceries for the person in front of you, or you can take it and donate it to whatever charity might be important to you, you know, um, but that comes from us individually as team members. And really it's Mr. Vinick that's funded the whole thing. So it's just, it's just another example of him doing the right thing all the time um, and just making this community a better place. That's fabulous. Let's move over to, over to, to premium and uh, just, just talk about your, your, uh, the strategic process, especially now around premium seating, premium offering in general, and how, how a bit has it evolved over the last, uh, we'll say five years. Yeah. So if you go back five years, um, that's when we started breaking walls down, right? We wanted to create more communal spaces. We wanted to create, you know, these, these, you know, you talk about the next generation people wanting to be at an event together with their friends, but being able to interact and, you know, have these, these social engagements. So we launched a product product. Um, it's the ConnectWise Loge um, here in our building. It's 34 Loge boxes, two eight seaters, six, six seaters. Um, and then the rest are four seaters. Real high-end chairs, nice marble tabletop, in-seat service, high-end buffet, all the drinks and you know the bells and whistles that come along with it. Um, and this was a product that we launched, you know, literally five years ago, and was a home run. We sold it out pre-construction. You know, we've got you know people that would do anything to get to be a part of it, um, and has been something that was a, was a huge success. So we started creating these these areas that you had your private space, but then you also had a communal area where you could network and you could meet other people. So this was the perfect mix of private in seat bowl seating. But then you had in the background, you had the communal area where you could you know, get your food, get your drinks, and you could, could mix and mingle. And that's a, that's a product that was a home run in our, in our market. And, and I think a lot of markets have really kind of gone down that road. Where we are now is a completely different world. Now we got to put you know, we we just recently talked about, hey, we take out the top five rooms of the building and just make just big party areas upstairs and have, you know, put a thousand people up there that can stand and mix and mingle and watch a game together. Well, now we have to put walls back up with this pandemic, right? So it's gonna it's really shifted our our thought process. You know, we've spent the last, you know, five, six months putting up plexiglass between suites and putting up plexiglass between loge boxes and closing communal areas and you know, um the hope is it's just a short-term issue. Um, you know, we hope we can get back to some sort of normal. So one of the coolest parts about sports is you walk into a building, you sit down in a seat, and the person beside you, you have no idea who is when you get there. And at the end of the night, you're high-fiving and cheersing after a goal. You know, so we, we, we that's what that's the energy that's created in an arena. That's the energy that, you know, people come to see. Um, so we're hoping that we can bring those walls back down. Um, you know, I don't think we're prepared to do that yet or even to plan for that now. I don't know if it's real, um, but I think it's something that, you know, we aspire to have some point because, you know, you know, bringing people to an arena, that's the one place you can go. You can put all your personal opinions aside and you can go there for one reason and you're there to watch, you know, professional sports team and the ebbs and flows of how the season goes, you know, is there's nothing better than that. So, so we need it back. And, uh, you know, the product mix is going to change significantly, um, but it'd just be fun to get people back in the building and have some fun with it all. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how it, how it, uh, how it shifts here over the next, what, 12, 24 months. I want to ask you about best practices that you may have established within the, the areas of the stadium and in premium specifically around inclusion, accessibility, and disability. Well, that's a that's a hot topic right now, um, and one that I'm so proud of the being a part of this organization and, and how we we took it on head first. You know, when things started you know occurring in our 
you know, communities. It was, it was something that came right from Mr. Vinnick and our CEO, Steve Griggs, is that we were going to get involved and we were going to be a driving force in creating change, um, both internally and externally. Uh, the first thing that we did as an organization, we created a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, task force committee that was formed from our CEO, sat on the boards, Derek Brooks, former NFL player, Hall of Famer, who's part of the organization, sat on the board, a bunch of senior executives. And we had, you know, a number of, you know, managers, you know, frontline staff, you name it. We had, we had people from all different parts of our organization sit on this, on this, on this committee to, to, to great change. And we really focused on two things. One is we wanted to look at it internally first. You know, we needed to start getting comfortable having some uncomfortable conversations. Um, you know, and, and we did every, Every week, part of everyone's you know department meeting was you know different topics that you know got brought up um, and were discussed, and it was it was enlightening. It was I think educational, um, but they were tough. There were a lot of tears, a lot of emotions, there were a lot of you know heated moments, you know, because everyone's got different opinions on 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 different things. But we wanted to fix inside first. Um, where you're talking about with our building is it's we're also a platform to hopefully create change in the market that we're in. You know, everybody is, um, you know, kind of the lightning is a brand locally. And if we can help create some change and create some, some awareness, um, that was something that we were going to, you know, jump on and and be a part of. Um, And I, and like I said, when I started this whole thing is, you know, couldn't be more proud of our organization and how we jumped in on, uh, on some really difficult, issues and uh you know hopefully have created some change but more importantly have just created you know platforms for people to kind of be more aware and, and understanding of what what's going on in our world do you look beyond um, when i'm thinking of the physical plant and communications beyond ada compliance how do you look at um or steps that you take from a, a truly in- inclusion standpoint uh, that people of many different abilities can engage as a fan in your venue? I can tell you, we've got uh, Michael Donnell, who's basically our man that runs the, the building and, and takes lead on all of our ADA, you know, to ensure that we're, we're compliant with everything, um, is so dialed in on all of the different policies and the, uh, um, you know, the, the regulations that have to be met. And again, you know, it's another proud, proud piece for me is that we are, you know, we've got, you know, different uh, seating options, uh, at all different areas, different price points, different experiences across our arena from, you know, uh, from the, the moment they, you know, they park their car and come in through the, through the door and get to their level. Um, it's something that is, is very important. And one thing that, you know, Michael Donald's led the charge on. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to report we're, we're probably an industry leader on, on making sure that our building is 100%, you know, compliant with, with all the ADA uh, requirements that are out there. Excellent. Next question is one you weren't expecting. So with, with, with the challenges of the past year, what has professional sports in general gotten right? Ooh, that's a good question. What has professional sports gotten right? Um, I would say, Chris, I mean, it's just understanding the platform that uh, professional athletes and professional teams have and being at the forefront, being um, on the leading edge of all different issues that we're faced with right now, because it's been a hard year. It's been a really, really difficult year from the diversity and, and inclusion and, and, and everything that has been around that world, part of the world. Um, and then on top of that, we've got a pandemic and people living at home. And one of our biggest fears is just 
people's mental health, you know, people that, you know, are, are living at home, you know, and working from home and, you know, new to this market. So for example, we hire someone entry level role, they moved to Tampa and within a month, they're now, you know, quarantined in their apartment downtown, but really having extended friends or family. And, you know, I think, you know, um, it's, it's something that is paramount right now is the, is the mental health and awareness from that perspective. And that's where I think professional sports teams can hopefully kind of, you know, shed some light on some of those issues that are out there that need to be addressed and are so important. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, as a former athlete, I'm, I'm very proud of what, you know, athletes do to be good role models. That's, you know, I have a, I have a seven year old son. And when I talk to him about, you know, different things, I talk to him a lot about role models. And, and one of the coolest parts is I, you know, we've got 20 of them here at the, with, on the lightning that are good role models. Like they're good human beings that do things the right way, treat people the right way and show respect. And um, I think that's something that, you know, sports organizations has done very, very well and uh, very proud to be a part of it and uh, uh, watch it all kind of evolve. You talked about what your organization did. I did want to ask more specifically, what has your organization gotten really right over the, the, with the challenges of the last year? And then what would you have done differently? I will, I will tell you, there's, I don't think we missed. Um, and you know, that sounds probably, you know, crazy to say, but like, I truly believe that, you know, starting with our CEO, Steve Griggs, every single decision, every single step is very strategic and well thought of uh, to ensure that it's done correctly. Um, and I think that goes right back to the, you know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion question we talked about is, you know, nailed that. Like, you know, we we took that and we made a, a priority for every single person in our organization to become better educated about some of the issues that are out there in this world. Um, I think we nailed the pandemic. You know, you know, we as soon as that happened, you know, it like it was first and foremost health and safety. That is going to be number one priority, health and safety. And um, everybody was given the resources to work from home and stay safe, but also be able to come back to the office if that's what you really needed, because being at home was getting tough on people's mental health, you know? So it was, it was, a, it was a fine line that I think, I think was something that we, we did real well. And I will tell you this, when you win the Stanley cup and you get a chance <laughs> to celebrate um, and you got to do it with social distancing and you've got to do it socially and responsibly, um, we did that too. I mean, it was, you know, we had a boat parade, you know, your typical parade that would, you know, have floats going down the high, down the, you know, down Bayshore Boulevard here in Tampa turned into a boat parade and everybody was socially small groups on each boat with the trophies. And, and then we took them down to the Raymond James stadium for, you know, uh, you know, instead of 65,000 people there, we had 17,000 people socially distanced, you know, so just, we, we, we were able to celebrate a season that, you know, no one will ever forget. One, because winning the Stanley Cup is something that no one ever forgets. But to do it during a pandemic um, was uh, was was something that we truly never will forget. <laughs> truly not. Have you noticed organizationally that uh, that you all have become more flexible, or um, I, I want to say uh, more dynamic in your decision making process, where you would consider different scenarios with greater regularity than before, or as things change, you were able to change with them. Does that look any different today than it did a year ago, or has that been part of your culture? 
Yeah, I mean, the culture's, culture's you know, top-notch here, uh, first and foremost. But I think what it's really done is it's taught us that we can operate differently. You know, and it, it's as crazy as just, you know, if you're here working a, a game like tonight, you know, we, Raptors game is tonight, so we'll be here, probably most of us be here to 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, you know, and if, and if maybe you need a couple hours in the morning to get some groceries or, you know, you can work remotely from home, which, you know, we would have never done before in the past. So I think it's helped a little bit from that perspective. I don't know if that's the, if that's actually what you're looking for from a, an answer, but, um, you know, it's, uh, we're changing in the organization or in the industry has changed right before our eyes this past year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm proud to be a part of a company that, that you know, has changed with it and, you know, evolved and, and continues to evolve, and continues to try to get better. I mean, there's, there's never an answer. There's always another, there's always another question, right? So you just got to continue to, can, you know, stay ahead of that curve and, you know, be the, be the leaders. And right now, the fact that, you know, we're one of four teams with fans for, for Rocky games coming up and, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to lead that charge as well. And we're, uh, we're excited about it. Excellent. Matt, can't thank you enough. Um, for spending this time with us. You've been listening to Fired Up. We've been talking to Matt Hill, Vice President uh, with Vinick Sports Group. Matt, have a, uh, have a great year and much success, and I look forward to following your, uh, your work and get a chance to talk to you later. Hey, Chris, thanks, man. That was, that was a lot of fun. I'm happy to talk anytime. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure and subscribe. And if you really like what you heard, then why not leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify and tell all your friends. Also, thanks to the great people that sponsor Fired Up, NASCAR, the National Sports Forum, and the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. To learn more about Ignite Fan Insights and what this exclusive content can mean for you, visit ignitefaninsights.com and subscribe today. It's a wealth of information all about the fan at no cost to you. Your fan club subscription includes our e-publication, podcasts like this one, exclusive blogs, quarterly e-newsletters, and timely webinars that not only keep you up to speed on what your fans are doing, but you'll be ahead of the curve. Fired Up is hosted by Chris Wise and produced by myself, Brad Carpenter. We love making these shows and we love connecting with you, the listeners. Thanks again, everyone. And as always, stay fired up.